and we are live! If you already know who it is, my name is Mike Kyle, aka the Fantasy Vulture. I have over a decade worth of fantasy football experience and have continuously competed for fantasy championships over the course of the past six seasons. Let's get seven in 2020, but enough of me. I'm here for you on today's episode of the FB Show. We're going to kick off our week six game previews, breaking down every single week six matchup all through the lens of fantasy football. So if you are excited for this series of game previews, be sure to hit that like button down below like an open receiver downfield. Also, smash that subscribe button like a power running back up the middle so you never miss a video from me. And last but not least, you can follow me on all social media platforms at FFVulture, specifically Twitter, where I love to answer your start-sit questions, trade offers, waiver wire pickups, and anything else fantasy football related. And also, be sure to follow me on Instagram because the Instagram content is coming. I got a lot of things in the works on that side of things. But this week, week six, this is when crunch time really starts to take place, right? The... We are essentially halfway through the fantasy football regular season. Bye weeks are approaching. The injuries are going to continue to ramp up on top of COVID games. So with all that being said, now is the time to strike. You need to be able to make moves, know your matchup, and most importantly, win. Because it is winning time down the stretch as we approach the second half of the fantasy football season and honestly it kind of starts with week six uh the way that i view week six and just like this middle point of the year it can go one of two ways and it really does uh make a big difference in how you play out the rest of your season uh during that final quarter or so weeks 10 through 13 all things considered but let's just dive right in shall we Let's go with our first game here, and that first game is going to be the Denver Broncos versus the New England Patriots, a game that should have taken place last week, but unfortunately was rescheduled to this week due to a few COVID cases, including Cam Newton and Stephon Gilmore. But let's just get right into it, shall we? Let's go through over some game notes real quick. The Patriots are favored by 9.5 points, and the over-under for this game is is 45 so pretty conservative over under all things considered cam newton andrew Locke are both expected to play in this game for due to different reasons cam coming off with the covid illness and then also drew Locke coming off of the ac joint sprain in his shoulder so that's good because this was a matchup that on paper when we saw it last week it was supposed to be pretty ugly it was it was projected to be brian hoyard uh, brian hoyer excuse me and brett rippon and that's not, a, that's not a very exciting fantasy matchup, as we all know, right? So to have these two guys back, ready to go, that obviously makes this game a lot more intriguing. Melvin Gordon is expected to play in this game. He was actually pulled over for a DUI uh, in downtown Denver. And so there was a lot of uncertainty about his status. Uh, it, was all, it was all pretty much up in the air. The NFL hasn't made a firm decision on anything, and that's simply because they like to wait and see until cases are finalized before they make any sort of decision. And then also, Melvin Gordon missed one day of practice and then returned, so it looks like he's going to be good to go uh, for this game. Noah Fant has been limited all week uh, with that ankle injury. I think he's a game-time decision, but I don't know if I'd actually play him or not in this matchup. We know that the, we know that, uh, the Patriots' defense is pretty good all the way around. And with Drew Locke in his first game back off of that shoulder injury, I'm not sure what level of confidence you have in Drew Locke in this game anyways. Um, so let's just move, well, with that being said, let's just move over, let's move over to the start-sit questions for the week. For New England, you're starting Cam Newton. Uh, the Denver Broncos defense is fine. It's not great by any means, but it's also not horrific either. Um, so I'm fine with starting uh, Cam in this matchup. Let me just pull something up real quick. Let me make sure that my numbers are in check. 
Yes, and the Denver Broncos have actually given up quite a few bit of points to the quarterback position. They give up about 21.4 points per game to that position. So Cam Newton should be a fine play for you uh, this week, especially coming off of the illness. Remember, his case of COVID was asymptomatic. So he just tested positive but really didn't suffer any, any negative effects that we know of. So he should be back to his full self uh, in this matchup. Edelman is fine. Um, I'm not super excited about it, all things considered, just simply because... When you think of Julian Edelman, like especially with this, we've seen one really good game with Cam, then we've seen a few, then we've seen an average game. Um, so like, what is Edelman's season-long value? And like, not even that, but like, what is his game-by-game -game value? Uh, I think that actually depends fully upon your roster construction. If you need a safe play, uh, Edelman should get eight targets pretty easily. All things considered, so I'm fine with starting Edelman if you have to. Maybe you have a few guys on bye weeks. That also brings me to a really important note here. Uh, the teams on bye this week are the Seattle Seahawks, the Los Angeles Chargers, the New Orleans Saints, and the Las Vegas Raiders. So obviously, if you have anybody in those games, please pull them from your lineup. So like that being said, though, like there are a lot of fantasy-relevant wide receivers uh, on those teams. You look at the duo in Seattle, uh, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, in Los, in, uh, in Los Angeles, obviously Mike Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders has come on pretty strong in New Orleans. And then for Oakland, or for Oakland, for Las Vegas, uh, Ruggs, Aguilar, if you were in a really deep league, right? So there is room here uh, to start Julian Edelman if you have to. Damian Harris had 17 carries last week and he rushed for 100 yards. The majority of those coming on a, bit, on a long run, I believe it was a 34-yard run. Um, but the Broncos are the best in the NFL in points given up to the fantasy running back, or in fantasy points given up to the running back at 12.1 per game. That is incredibly low, and that is fantastic. Uh, so that really is where the Denver Broncos' strength is in, on defense. And with that being said, uh, I'm not super confident in starting Damian Harris. But when you look at the volume, right, like that is one of the reasons why I love running back so much is because you have. 17 18 19 carries to do anything uh with those right the opportunity is there for harris so i consider harris to be a fine flex play if you have to go that route moving over to denver now though um drew lock is fine but i don't anticipate you willingly starting lock anyway right going into the season and really throughout the first few weeks lock was just like this fringe qb2 right he didn't do anything spectacular by any means so I didn't think you were naturally going to start him anyway. So I kind of feel like he's a bit irrelevant in this game, all things considered. Now, obviously, if you're in a two-quarterback league, that definitely changes things where he's probably going to be back into your lineup. But for standard 1QB leagues, I don't anticipate you, I don't anticipate you, you playing Drew Locke uh, in this matchup. Uh, the Patriots have a very strong run defense as well, specifically, go, specifically trying to lock up Melvin Gordon. So with that being said... Uh, it goes back to the same thing as what I just said about Damian Harris is with these running backs, you're strictly looking off of volume. And with Philip Lindsay expected to be back in this game, I don't know how you, I don't know how you have any such, I don't know how you have high expectations for Melvin Gordon, all things considered, right? Um, with Lindsay coming back, Lindsay's obviously going to get onto the field, coming back off of that, coming back off of that turf toe injury. Uh, Gordon, who knows if they maybe give a first quarter punishment. Uh, we've seen that before uh, for his off the field instance. Uh, so with Melvin Gordon, you're probably starting him, but I'm not super excited for it uh, in, in totality. 
And then lastly, like I said, Stephon Gilmore, cornerback uh, for the Patriots, is back. And I think he's going to shadow uh, Jerry Judy. The thing that the Patriots do time and time again is they routinely take away the, their opposition's best weapon. And on the outside for Denver, even though he is just a rookie, it's going to be Jerry Judy, right? With Cortland Sutton out for the year with that ACL injury, Jerry Judy is the number one pass catcher on this team. And I expect a lot of shadow coverage from Stephon Gilmore on Judy. Honestly, though, that's really it for this game. It's not a game that I'm super excited about. Like, it's just, there's just, I just have a lot of question marks. Like, outside of Cam Newton, is there anybody in this game where you are super confident or excited to start? The answer to me is no. So let's move on to the next game. And this is a little bit more intriguing. And that is going to be the Houston Texans. And the Tennessee Titans, the Titans steamrolled the Bills uh, after having such a limited practice and coming off of the bye week in their whole COVID outbreak. Uh, it was probably, I, I'd argue, the most impressive win of the season uh, by any team. So going forward, the outlook for the Titans is still just super strong. This is a team that has continued their same model that they, that they used last year, which was run the ball with Derrick Henry and just find ways to get Ryan Tannehill and put Tannehill in the best position uh, to be successful in the pass game, right? Because when you have Derrick Henry, even if he hasn't looked all that great this year, um, just having the ability to get the ball to Derrick Henry and then throw when you have to and you have weapons that can catch passes effectively, A.J. Brown being back and healthy, Jonu Smith emerging as one of the as one of the great tight ends in this league, right? So they, their offense just rolls. And I've talked about this before, how much I love the Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry stack. I'm back on that this week myself. And I'm really excited about uh, the Texans, or I'm sorry, the Titans outlook in this game versus the Texans. But let's go into some game notes here. The Titans are favored by three and a half. The over under for this game is 53 point, uh, 53 and a half. Watson, Deshaun looked much better in that game versus Jacksonville, and obviously Jacksonville was down a few starters, but this was his first game without Bill O'Brien, so what comes first, the chicken or the egg, right? Um, I, regardless, though, I still expect Deshaun Watson to continue his momentum. Uh, I really do think that Bill O'Brien was holding him back. You looked at the first few games, and just Deshaun Watson didn't look right. The offense didn't look right. It stalled a bit, and we saw a much more aggressive Deshaun Watson in that game burst the Jags. So I'm really excited about his outlook uh, going forward here. There's no injuries to note for either team, which again is just a blessing uh, considering where we're at in the state of the NFL right now. And let's just move over to some start set, shall we? So going back to what I was just saying about the Titans, I think we're approaching a territory with them where you're starting everybody. Like, are they officially in start everybody and uh, in, in start everybody contention? Uh, and I don't mean, like, like I guess, like, the distinction there is that, like, with some of these other teams, like a Dallas or Atlanta, is it's you're literally starting every single fantasy option. Uh, but, like, with the Titans, like, you, you start the core four. And, like, that's really what I mean, right? You, we're not going to start fringe players, uh, but you're going to start the core four. You're starting Tannehill every single week. You're starting Derrick Henry every single week. With A.J. Brown back and healthy, you're starting him every week. And Joe Newsmith, the same thing, right? So... I like this offense just moves and again it just goes down it comes down to the fact that they can do so many different things because they have such an incredibly competent quarterback 
and then they have one of the best running backs in the NFL, and not only the best running backs in the NFL, but a power runner, right? That like that not not like there is only one Derrick Henry, and Derrick Henry changes the game in the way that he runs. Yes, again, it hasn't looked great, and there is some like, er, this is this like er, this does not look great uh, when you when you just see Derrick Henry up the middle, Derrick Henry up the middle. Two yards, three yards, three yards, right? It doesn't look great on. It doesn't look great on the uh, in the game. But regardless, how do you not load the box up with Derrick Henry on the field every single play? Uh, because you have to stuff him. But when you have the ability to, to do the play action or just the rollouts, like what else can you do? Like this team just is so flexible on offense, and I think it's just something that's really intriguing. And it's so fun for me to come around on the, on the Titans. I talked about this all offseason. I'm like, there's going to be some regression here. And nope, nope. And what's funny to me is, as I was saying, um, I'm off the Titans this year. I was, like, I was looking around at my teams, and I've talked about this. Between my two leagues, I own all four Titans. In Dynasty, I own A.J. Brown. I own Jonu Smith. And in Redraft, I own Tannehill and Derrick Henry. So for me to, to start the year at this team is going to regress to we are now here at week six and I own everybody. Oh, it, it's what makes fantasy football so, so great. But with the Texans, let's go over to them now. and Let's spend some time talking about them. You're starting to Sean Watson per usual. David Johnson he is also in your lineup. I can't stress this enough. David Johnson is a weekly floor play. Just going through his numbers and diving into things a little bit more. Again, this Houston Texans offense can consistently move the ball, and that's something that, that we like to see for running backs specifically because what that does, that translates to red zone work and then goal line work, and Deshaun Watson's obviously good enough to get them down there. Uh, so David Johnson always has the ability for a touchdown, and despite that, he's still going to get the ball 19 times a game, and whatever he does with it on the ground is typically, you know, 70 yards or so, and you'll take that upside of 70 yards and a score every single week. Uh, so I'm here for uh, David Johnson uh, as a weekly floor play. I've talked about this a lot. And unfortunately, um, you can start Will Fuller. You can start Will Fuller almost every single week now at this point. Um I've talked about Will Fuller enough on this channel, uh, just being able, just going from you're spinning the boom bust wheel to then also spinning the injury wheel, then he duds week two, and I'm like, I'm off Will Fuller, and then he puts back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back great games up, and you're just like, what is going on here? Will Fuller is startable every single week. He fooled me. I got fooled. I got baited week two, um, and I was wrong. I was wrong about Will Fuller uh, for pretty much all of the season. And I'm finally, finally going to put that to bed. Um, Will Fuller should be in your lineup almost every single week uh, if you're able to. But the big question now for me becomes what do you do with Brandon Cooks? Because we've seen two games now where Cooks has looked really good and we've seen three games where he has not. Um, so I'm still waiting to see what to do with Cooks. I'm, not, I'm probably not going to play him in this matchup versus Tennessee, admittedly. But just thinking about what Cooks' outlook is the rest of the season is really difficult for me because we have seen such inconsistencies. Um, I'd like to think that it's going to continue to trend upward, especially with just the offensive change that we've seen in the first game without Bill O'Brien. I want to just get a little bit more of a bigger sample size, though, before I make a firm decision on what to do with Brandon Cooks. Because for me, if you start Cooks, you're really hoping for a boom game. Because if, like... How confident are you in starting Brandon Cooks on a week-to-week -week basis? The answer is you're not. Um, it really is, to me, matchup-dependent for him. And being able to 
find a way to try and analyze when it's going to be a Brandon Cooks game is almost impossible. Um, so you're never starting Brandon Cooks with confidence per se, but if you do need that swing for the fences play, what better player to have in your lineup than Brandon Cooks? And with that, I think we can move over to the next game, and that is going to be the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are favored by three and a half points at home. The over-under for this game is 51. The Browns are 4-1. The Steelers are 4-0. This, this is a game where, for the first time, I feel like, and who knows how long, in almost my lifetime, um... This matchup feels really, really exciting, right? The Browns are good. The Steelers are obviously going to remain great. Um, and so I want to see what this game actually looks like. To me, this is probably the prove-it game for the Browns, right? Yes, we understand that Baltimore is also such a great, uh, such a great team in that same division. But just the way that Pittsburgh is played, both offensively and defensively, um, I want to see how the Browns stack up. Uh, in this matchup. So going over to fantasy though, more than anything, uh, Kareem Hunt for Cleveland is absolutely fine. Like you're going to start him. Naturally, we saw the work that he got without Nick Chubb. It was basically 20 carries and then some receiving work as well. We'd love to see that from a running back. Again, Kareem Hunt is, is projected to be a top seven running back uh, going forward without Nick Chubb. And I think Austin Hooper is also a very is also a very solid play as well. Hooper's targets the past two weeks has been 17. So after a few after a first few set of weeks, uh, a few set of rough weeks uh, for Hooper, he's really come on strong here, and he's a guy that he's probably on your waiver wire because of the because of his performance during the first few weeks of the season. And I'd look to pick him up um, just because with the way that the tight end landscape has really unfolded between Tyler Higbee and Zach Ertz and Hayden Hurst. People are bleeding for tight ends. I am a team that is bleeding for a tight end. Now, ultimately, I went with uh, I went with Hawkinson over Hooper, and that was simply just because I like the passing game opportunities in Detroit more than Cleveland. Uh, but regardless, if Austin Hooper continues to see eight plus targets a game, he should be uh, very uh, he should be, he should be a fine start for you week in and week out. I've been getting a lot of discussions with Odell Beckham. And last week I was wrong about Odell Beckham. I think it was Hugo, my man Hugo, who told me he would not start Odell Beckham after I said I would. And Hugo was right. I was wrong. I gotta take my medicine when I can. But I actually think that this leads me to where I sit with Odell now, ironically enough, uh, which is great. Odell Beckham to me is completely matchup dependent now. It is that simple. In a game like Dallas with the Swiss cheese defense, Odell goes off. And then versus Stout Colts defense, he does. And with that being said, like it now has become almost so uh, cut and dry as to when you should play Odell and when you shouldn't. But that being said, the Steelers are beatable in their secondary, right? They have pieces there. They should be better than they are, but they haven't played up to their talent level. The Steelers are giving up 30 points per game to the wide receiver position in fantasy. That ranks 28th in the NFL. They just got torched by Travis Fulgham. What is happening in Pittsburgh, man? Like that defense, that secondary specifically, needs to clean it up uh, if they want to keep their undefeated season alive. So with that being said, I'm fine starting Odell, and I'm also fine starting Jarvis Landry as a flex play just based along, along the same logic. 
you can uh, expect Jarvis to do some work in the slot. And then obviously Odell does his work and his damage uh, on the outside, and especially with deep targets and deep balls uh, thrown his way. And obviously we know the touchdown potential for both of those players. Uh, for Pittsburgh, super simple for me, dude. Again, they are a team that is start everybody. Um, Deontay Johnson is not playing in this game due to a back injury. I forgot to put that in the game notes. Um, so he is out, but you're going to start Chase Claypool. You're going to go back to the well. I'm not a big fan of chasing points per se, uh, but in a matchup like this where the Browns defense has also not been great, uh, and they've been winning in large part due to their offense, you can start uh, Claypool. You're starting Juju. You're starting James Conner. Uh, and you're going to start Big Ben just as a result of that. So I'm really excited uh, for this matchup because I actually do think like the over in this game being what I say it was 51, right? Like 51, like that, that shit, like that feels like that's something that's going to hit, right? Um, Just what we've seen from these offenses, uh, just being able to put points up on the board. Like the Browns, I want to go, I want to actually pull this up now because I think the Browns have put up 30 points in back-to-back -back games. Let's see. Cleveland Browns schedule. Can I? Yeah, I mean, it's more than, I mean, holy hell. <gasps> All right, the Browns have put up 30 plus points, 34, yeah, 30 plus points, actually. 30 plus points in four straight games. Like, that's what I'm talking about here, right? And what's utterly insane is the fact that Baker still hasn't been good for fantasy because of the way that the points have come, right? They've come on the ground between Hunt and Shove. Uh, Odell, yes, obviously Odell's been getting some touchdowns as well. Uh, one was the uh, the Jarvis Landry pass, and then the other was the it was the lateral. It was the backward, right? It was the uh, the game sealer versus Dallas. It was either a backwards. It was either a God. It was either our, our jet sweep, yeah, that's what it was. It was jet sweep with Odell, um, so that like that doesn't even count towards Baker's fantasy value, which just phew. so to put up thirty plus points in four straight games and have your quarterback not even really be relevant for fantasy is absolutely mind blowing uh, to me. So this game should easily be a shootout, and I'm really excited for it. Nance and Romo are on the call, which is always a great thing, uh, and this game should have a lot of fantasy relevant players in it. But let's move over to the next game, and that is going to be the Baltimore Ravens and the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh boy, the Ravens are favored by 7.5. Uh, the over-under for this game is 47.5, and the Ravens' offense looks off. There are no injuries, or actually the only injuries to report for this game are Deshaun Jackson is out again, and so is Alshon Jeffrey, but we, that's, that was to be expected. Everybody else is full go for both teams. But the Ravens' offense looks off, and... It starts with Lamar Jackson, in all honesty, and that hurts to say as a Jackson stand. Uh, but Lamar has not looked good throwing the ball. He's obviously then taken away uh, some of his value because his um, his discretion now to not run. Or maybe it's just the way that the offense is now structured where he, they, they just don't plan to run him as much as they did last year. And with that, Lamar Jackson is quarterback 11 right now. And that is blatantly not what you drafted him to be, right? You spent your second or third round pick on Lamar Jackson, and he's quarterback 11. Like, that is utterly insane. We talk about a lot not to do the early quarterback strategy because just the position is so deep of it's in and of itself, right? 
but Lamar and Patrick Mahomes, like they're they're just different caliber quarterbacks, right? To where you can justify uh, taking them early. But the caveat is, if you take them early, like they have to finish um, in the top five, in the top three, and for Lamar to be quarterback ten is blatantly absurd. Uh, I'm sorry, quarterback eleven is blatantly absurd. Uh, to me, to me. The question becomes, what is Lamar Jackson without his rushing ability? And that to me, like that, that's a, that is a scary thought. Like that is terrifying, blatantly for fantasy, um, because that is so much of where the difference maker of his game came to be. And it's crazy that I say that, right? Because you look at his rushing attempts, and I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking at the stats now, right? Um, it's seven attempts for 45 yards, 16 for 54, nine for 83, uh, 53, or I'm sorry, seven for 53 and then two for three. So it really was just last game where there was none, but even just going back to last season, I mean, he was consistently getting anywhere between, I mean, shit, I'm looking at this here, and it's, it's, it's 16, 14, 19, 14, 16, 10, 16, 11, 17. He was just such a featured part in this offense, consistently getting 13 rushing attempts a game, and that's basically been slashed in half, right? And so if you don't have the typical, we'll, 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 fuck it, we'll cap it to 800 rushing yards for Lamar. If you don't have that, and Lamar, as we know, his strong suit is not passing, he's shown an improvement in the area, but it's still not where he makes his money at, what do you have here? Because he's not a guy who's going to throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Um, The majority of his fantasy value comes from his legs. And I'm not hitting the panic button on Lamar Jackson by any means. Um, but it is just something to think about and have in the back of your head. Um, you're still going to start him. You're still going to start him, but I'm, I'm just paying real close attention uh, to those numbers because just if you're just watching these Ravens play, just something looks off, and I really do feel like they tried to undergo this shift in the offense, which then created a, an offense that stalls, and this should be an offense that routinely just hangs points up on the board. Um, with that being said, you're still going to start Hollywood Brown, and you're starting Mark Andrews. Hollywood's come on real strong lately. He had a great game last week for Cincinnati. As I said before that game, that was your real last chance to buy Hollywood on the low. If you didn't, you missed out. Hi, I missed out. I tried all week. Didn't happen. And then as soon as he had that great game versus Cincinnati, I'm like, ah, fuck, I'm never getting Hollywood now. So I'm a bit disappointed uh, for that. But let's talk about the Eagles for a second here. You're starting Miles Sanders, and to me, he's really the only... Uh, Eagles player who you're comfortable starting in this matchup. Do you actually have the balls to start Travis Fulgham? I don't. And it, like we just talked about, the Steelers' defense should be better than it actually is. Um, the Ravens' defense is just consistently great. Their secondary is unbelievable. And I'm not going to start Travis Fulgham uh, in this matchup. It's not a name. It's not a player who I'm confident starting uh, in this week. This is the like I just talked about how Chase Claypool. You're chasing points with him putting him into your lineup, but you actually have a reason to against that Browns defense. For Travis Fulgham, you're chasing the points, but you're chasing the points in the wrong kind of way compared to Claypool. Um, what do you do with Zach Ertz? That's the question for me right now. Zach Ertz last week, one, I think it was one catch for six yards. 
it's not great. It has not been great, uh, especially with Dallas Goddard being out with his broken ankle or just severely sprained ankle. I forget what the specifics are of his ankle injury. But we expected Zach Ertz to feast without Goddard because one of the things that really hindered uh, his ability, for fantasy at least, was the fact that he was splitting time with him. And he was losing some red zone opportunities and just some work in between the 20s due to Goddard. And to see Zach Ertz be unable to step up and be the Zach Ertz that we know is really, it's kind of wild, right? Because Ertz should be the guy. With no Goddard, no Alshon, no Djax, no Jalen Rager, who everyone has forgotten about. Uh, this was supposed to be Zach Ertz's just put the, put the foot on the gas and go. And it just hasn't happened. I guess the question becomes... The, only, like, the question becomes, who are you starting over Zach Ertz? Um, are you comfortable starting, are you comfortable rostering two tight ends, depending on what your roster size looks like and due to all the injuries and COVID? Uh, do you even have the room to, to roster another tight end? Do you want to roster another tight end? Uh, just going through the matchups and just the tight end landscape, I'm probably going to go back to Zach Ertz. I don't feel comfortable about it, but I just, I just know the opportunity is there. Um, let me pull up Zach Ertz's box real quick. Let's see. Season. Um, like the thing to like the thing to like to really consider here, right? Is targets play such play such an important part in what and how we view and how we view the tight end position. And same thing with snap percentage, like. Zach Ertz, snap percentage, 95, 92, 95, 95. His targets, 7, 7, 10, 5, 6. He just hasn't gotten it done, but the targets are still coming his way. So for me personally, I'm, like, I think you have to go down with the Zach Ertz ship because it, just, it does not make sense for him to not be performing given the current circumstances. And like, this is kind of the same argument that I have with Kenyon Drake. Uh, the opportunity is there. He's getting the work. Things just aren't happening yet. And I feel like regret, positive regression is coming. Um, and that's the gamble I'm willing to take. And if the tight end position right now is an absolute hellstorm to begin with, why wouldn't you want to take that shot on the reemergence of Zach Ertz as the season progresses? So that's kind of my insight on Zach Ertz and his current situation with the Eagles. Let's move on to the next game. And that is going to be... The Washington football team versus the New York Giants. And I really don't want to spend too much time talking about this game, all things considered. Sorry, fans, to both teams, but you guys know the current situation of both of your franchises. And they, it is not too great for fantasy purposes. The over-under for this game is 43 points, and the Giants are favored by 2.5. Um, Kyle Allen is getting the start again for Washington. We saw him play. Uh, just the first half or so in that game last week before he went out with that big hit and we saw Alex Smith come in versus the Rams so we don't have a full understanding here of what to expect uh, what, from Kyle Allen and this Washington offense but the one thing that I do know here is that Antonio Gibson was very involved in the past game when Kyle Allen was on the field I believe by the time that uh, Allen went out Gibson had four targets caught all four uh, so the receiving work was there and obviously he was getting the rushing attempts as well as they really try and shift 
uh, to Gibson being the lead back. Unfortunately, with the way that that game unraveled, J.D. McKissick got a lot of the work in the second half, and that really did cap uh, what Gibson's fantasy outlook was going to be for the week. And that is unfortunate because, as I said last week, I was finally, finally comfortable starting Antonio Gibson and putting him, in, in, and putting him into my lineup after three straight games of double-digit fantasy points. And, of course, the one week I decided to go back, uh, I, the one week I decided to start him, uh, is the one game where they get, get where he gets game scripted out. He is on track to have such a great fantasy day, and that gets quickly uh, thrown off the tracks. And he finishes with I think it was like seven and a half points for the week. So that was a bummer. But that being said, Antonio Gibson should be in our lineup still this week. Uh, this this matchup versus the Giants is a great one. Uh, so I have no qualms with starting Gibson again and going back, even after he did let you down last week. Uh, Terry McLaurin. I think McLaurin is matchup dependent, and I don't say that to be mean by any means, but I just know that what with this quarterback play uh, between Kyle Allen and Dwayne Haskins and Alex Smith to be determined in the future, I just don't necessarily know um, what McLaurin can do for you every single week. The one thing that I actually have a lot of confidence in for Terry McLaurin is just that the targets just continue to be there, right? And the opportunity is there. Like, he is the guy in this offense. The offense revolves or the, revolves and runs through him. And I've seen Kyle Allen make DJ Moore a top 15 fantasy wide receiver, right? I've seen Kyle Allen throw repeatedly over and over and over again to DJ Moore. And it's very much in the realm of possibilities that Terry McLaurin is going to be uh, this year's DJ Moore in that aspect. And obviously McLaurin had a great season last year, but I really think that there's an opportunity for McLaurin to become targeted over and over again. So I am excited for him in that in that way. But if you just look at uh, if you just look at McLaurin and just his history, and going going back to last year as well, there were just games. Where he would up, like he'd boom, then he'd come back down uh, with, you know, eight and a half points. And then he'd boom back up, and then he'd have another game with nine fantasy points and half point scoring. And I'm just trying to figure out what exactly is Terry McLaurin. I love the potential, and I love the upside of, of him. But really just trying to figure out what his value is for you on a week-to-week basis in fantasy is something that I've really been struggling with and just trying to process uh, as a whole. I love the talent, I love the player, but just trying to figure out what his role is uh, if you start him every single week and if, he, and if he is even predictable. I think that's the hard thing, right? Because we know that Washington on paper is a bad football team, which means if they're trailing, they're going to have to put points up on the board, but the issue is that their offense isn't good, but he's great, so what do you do, right? So I'm trying to figure out where I stand entirely with Terry McLaurin. Uh, in a game versus the Giants, I think you can start him, uh, no problem. But do note that James Bradbury is likely going to shadow him, and he's played very uh, very well this season. He shut down Amari Cooper last week, um, on, t- on top of a few other names who are who are blanking, coming to mind on who the Giants have played. Uh, but Bradbury was paid, was given the bag this offseason, and rightfully so. Uh, he played great in Carolina last year. And to see him thrive uh, with New York is super dope uh, coming off of that contract. So going over to New York, though, start Darius Slayton, I think, right? Oh, my God. Um, 
Darius Slayton is the wide receiver, I think, to own for the Giants. After going back and forth between Shepard and Slayton and Golden Tate all offseason, I'm like, you got to pick your poison here. To me, I think it's Slayton. He's a guy that really exploded last season. He had his ups and his downs, but his ups were so high. Uh, and again, last week we, last week we saw uh, versus the Cowboys. I told you to start Slayton. If you did, you're welcome. Um, and Golden Tate hasn't really done anything at all this year, which is really surprising, I think. Uh, so Darius Slayton, to me, is the Giants wide receiver to own. Uh, if you want to start him in this game, I guess go for it, right? Uh, this Giants offense still has not looked great by any means. And then also Devonta Freeman uh, has really come in and taken over this backfield in the absence of Saquon Barkley. And I think you'd start Freeman with confidence. He's getting the receiving work and he's also getting the ground the groundwork as well. Uh, and I'm just, I'm mildly excited about Freeman the rest of the season, especially if this Giants offense continues to struggle, uh, just because he'll be able to get more work in the receiving game. And obviously we know that receptions are worth so much in half point or just in PPR scoring formats rather. Uh, but other than that, I'm really not excited for anybody else here. On the Giants, I read a stat the other day that Frank Gore has a higher depth of target than Evan Ingram. Uh, so make of that what you will. Is that a pro Frank Gore or is that anti Evan Ingram, right? Um, basically, it's not. it hasn't looked good for him uh, so far throughout this season. And just trying to figure out what happened to Evan Ingram, right? Because... The snap percentage is there. The targets are there. And very similarly to what I said with Zach Ertz, it just hasn't come through yet. So you have to decide, are you in or are you out on Evan Ingram? For me, again, with the way that this tight end landscape is just shaping out to be, I think you have to end up holding him just for a wait and see because you probably can't do much better than Ingram on the waiver wire overall right now. So I do think you have to just stick it out and hope and pray that things get better for him. He's currently uh, tight end 17 and PPR scoring formats. But let's move on to our next game, and that is going to be the Atlanta Falcons and the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are favored by four points, and I wrote that down before Julio Jones was officially, was officially declared as active. The over-under for this game is 54 points. This is going to be Atlanta's first game without head coach Dan Quinn. Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator, is taking over as the interim head coach. And Dalvin Cook is out with an adductor strain. So that means Alexander Madison gets his first career NFL start due to Cook's absence. Um, I don't have a whole lot to add in terms of game notes or storylines for this game. The Falcons are looking for their first win. We know what their offense can do and their defense really is the main issue here. And then for the, and then for the Vikings, rather, um, this is just a team that's a bit weird. We've seen... Uh, this this team be very run centric. Uh, we knew that. We knew that coming into the year. We knew that Dalvin Cook was going to get all the work, and the offense would run through him. Uh, we've seen a revival of sorts of Adam Thielen, and Thielen was great last year before the injury. But to see him healthy and balling out, Adam Thielen is currently wide receiver one on the year, and then Justin Jefferson, the emergence of him. Of course, he dudded uh, versus Seattle. And then we just saw him, uh, wait, was that last week for Seattle? Yes, that was last week for Seattle. Uh, again, we all told you to start him, and of course he doesn't come through. But that game in and of itself was super wonky. I think anybody watching it was just like, yeah, this doesn't look right for either team. Uh, so I don't really have any uh, concerns for Justin Jefferson moving forward. I still think he's a guy that you're probably going to look to flex uh, week in and week out. But let's get into some game notes here. Um, to me, 
this is a great game uh, for the Falcons to get their first win. I We've said it over and over on this channel. The Minnesota Vikings defense is not great by any means. And I, just with the way this Atlanta Falcons offense can put points up on the board, I'm excited to see what they do. Obviously, no Dalvin Cook helps a lot uh, for them. And Alexander Madison is no scrub. He's been very great when he has been on the field. But he's also not Dalvin Cook either, right? There, like, there, like there are levels between Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison. But with that being said, uh, I'm still going to say it. I'm still going to say it. Start your Falcons. I understand Matt Ryan has let you down multiple times this year so far. I understand that Julio Jones has battled a hamstring injury and he's burned you because you thought he was going to play versus the Packers. And he comes in and quickly comes out and you get nothing from him. We've seen Calvin Ridley disappear for a game. The only player who's actually been somewhat consistent is Todd Gurley. And that makes me so fucking happy because I banged the Todd Gurley drum over and over and over again this offseason and he has balled the fuck out his schedule from now until the bye week is chef kiss again if you're going to trade Todd Gurley wait till do it until after the Denver game or even before then uh, because that's when his value is going to be the highest so uh, the so again start please please start your Falcons trust me um, the, the Vikings are giving up 19.7 fantasy points to the quarterback position. So this is a great Matt Ryan game. Uh, Hayden Hurst, what do you do with him? That's kind of the only thing that I have at this point for Atlanta. Um, I'm off Hayden Hurst. I just, I can't, I can't do it. The targets weren't there. The yardage wasn't there. Yes, there's always potential for the touchdown upside, but it, like that is what it is. We've seen him get one catch for one yard and a touchdown. Uh, I don't think Hayden Hurst is anything more than an average tight end right now for fantasy, and that's just not going to cut it. If you want to continue to start him, I guess you can. Again, their schedule, uh, their upcoming schedule for the most part is pretty good, so there is some level of reason to be to be uh, to be optimistic surrounding Hurst. But I just I just don't want to do it anymore. Um, I'm willing to take the hit, cut him, and find somebody else on the waiver wire. Uh, for example, TJ Hawkinson this week has Jacksonville and then has Atlanta actually next week, and that's a great matchup uh, for him, and I'd rather have Hawk right now over uh, Hayden Hurst. Uh, let's see here. Uh, you're also going to start everybody from Minnesota, right? I just got done saying uh, to start everybody for Atlanta, but you're going to do the same thing on the other side of the ball, and it's because for the same reasons, Atlanta's defense is, is worse than Minnesota's. And with that, you're starting Alexander Madison. Hopefully, you were able to grab him. Uh, I didn't, but that was just for roster reasons and just trying to figure things out. Um, and I actually wouldn't have gotten him anyway based on how much I bid for him. Uh, so, Madison's going to be a must-start in this game without uh, Dalvin Cook. Thielen and Jefferson, you're putting both of them in your lineup. Um, I know that the Justin Jefferson burns feel real. I completely get it. I understand it. Hell, I'm in it right now. Uh, but he needs to be in your lineup if you're able to make it work. Uh, this is just such a great matchup uh, for him in this game, and I do expect him to return to what he did during the past, the during two of the past three weeks, and not the dud that he put up against Seattle. Uh, let's see. Oh, oh, and also I think maybe for the first time ever, if not the second time this year. Oh, for the love of God, please start Kirk Cousins. Please just do it. Trust me. The Atlanta Falcons are giving up 30, 3, 0, 30 
fantasy points to the quarterback position right now. It is unbelievably bad. Please start Kirk Cousins if you're streaming quarterbacks. He needs to be the guy in your lineup. If you have Drew Brees on a bye, if you have Seattle, if you have Russell Wilson in Seattle on a bye, go start Kirk Cousins. It might be my bold take of the week. If it's not, it's definitely up there for one of my best takes of the week. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this game, though. Let's keep trucking here. We are cruising through these. Speaking of TJ Hawkinson, let's talk about uh, the Detroit Lions and the Jacksonville Jaguars in this game. The Lions are favored by three points. The over-under is 54.5. DJ Chark is questionable with an ankle injury. I don't think he's going to go. Uh, he was missing practice, and I think he was able to get a limited one in this week, but it still isn't looking up for him right now. And there are no injuries to note for the Lions, which, again, is always good based around the times that we are currently in and the roster flexibility that you need every single week. For me, the start sits for this game are actually pretty easy. I don't think there's a whole lot of storylines or narratives that we can really get into for this game uh, based upon the way that things have gone so far. Uh, for Detroit, you are you're pretty much starting everybody. Um, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not a full confident start everybody like we just had, uh, for the Falcons and the Vikings, but for Detroit, I think you, I think you can have some level of confidence with pretty much everybody that you put into your lineup. You're starting Matt Stafford versus bad Jacksonville defense. And along the same notion, because you expect to start Stafford, you're obviously then going to go down the line and you're going to start Kenny Galladay and TJ Hawkinson. Adrian Peterson is a fine flex option. We've seen running backs. Uh, perform very well against the Jags over and over again. I believe they're ranked 24th uh, in the league in, in fantasy points given up to the running back position. So Adrian Peterson can be a fine play for you uh, this week. I like right. How many times this year have we have we seen Adrian Peterson just gash teams for 20, 25 yard runs uh, multiple times a game? Right. Those are going to add up. And if he gets two. If he gets two of those and falls into the end zone at one point during this game, boom, you got double-digit fantasy points uh, right there. So I like I like Peterson as a sneaky flex play uh, this week if you have to. Again, we got four teams on buys, uh, so you might be in a position where you can start Adrian Peterson with some level of confidence uh, in this game. Moving over to Jacksonville, James Robinson finally came down to, to earth in some way, right? Uh, had his first uh, bad game of the season. I expect him to bounce back. This Lions defense is not great by any means, and we've seen what some running backs have done to them. Uh, the first one that obviously comes to mind is Aaron Jones, right? Uh, so James Robinson in your lineup. Uh, what do you do with Gardner Minshew? That's kind of the question that I'm asking myself right now because last time we saw Minshew without DJ Chark, um, it was not great. That was the Miami Dolphins game where, again, we all started him on Thursday night, and he busted for everybody. Uh, but I guess, like, I guess my thing with benching Minshew this week, if Chark doesn't play, is one, this Lions defense isn't good, so there's still a reason to start Minshew for that. Number two, both teams can put points up on the board, right? We know, we know Detroit can, and we know that Jacksonville has been competitive in several games this year, um, so... There's another reason. And then also, it's not like DJ Chark has been this amazing, incredible target machine or just a guy where the where the game plan has revolved around him on offense. So with that being said, why would we go away from Gardner Minshew this week, right? That's the question where I'm really just trying to dissect. And I look, 
I, I've talked about this before. I've started Minshew throughout the, throughout the majority of this season. The reason why I'm not doing it this game, and I don't know if I'm going to do it in the future, but the thing with Minshew, Minshew is always going to be a fine play. Again, he's put up 20-plus fantasy points uh, in, I think it's four out of five. I, le I legitimately think it's four out of five games where Gardner Minshew has put up 20-plus fantasy points. If not, it was last week. I think it was like 19.5, but you get the point, right? Minshew is never going to necessarily hurt you. The issue with Minshew is that he's never going to win you a week. And when you're facing teams with Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, right? Just these these players who are so dynamic, Kyler Murray, uh, and you need a guy who can win you a week, Garner Minshew just isn't, isn't that. Um, yes, the passing opportunity is there, and he's throwing the ball 35-plus times a game, and he's throwing for 300 yards, and he's throwing for two, for two touchdowns. But he's not a guy that's going to absolutely ball out and rack up fantasy points. He's always going to finish with anywhere between, with, with, with pretty much around 20 or so. But if you really need like that extra oomph, like I felt like my team needs, I'm going back to Ryan Tannehill because I know that Tannehill can win me a week. We saw what he did versus Buffalo. Uh, so I don't, I, I, I love Minshew. I don't have any issue with, with Minshew uh, this week. I think you should still start him even without Chark. Uh, I'm just starting to really question the upside in Gardner Minshew. Again, Gardner Minshew is currently a quarterback one, like I said he would be. Uh, Keelan Cole, if, no, if there's no DJ Shark, Keelan Cole is a great start, I think. Uh, Cole has been getting more targets than Shark. He's also fallen in the end zone twice, so he looks good in that respect as well. Um, and again, if this team needs to put points up on the board or just move the ball late in the game, uh, Keelan Cole should be a focal point in this offense, so I'm fine with him there. But honestly, oh, I guess we should talk about LaVisca Chenault as well. Again, my, my big concern with Chenault has always been the fact that he hasn't been doing it on a, not even consistent basis, but on an opportunistic, opportunistic basis rather, right? The snaps have continuously gone up, but they still aren't where I want them to be. When he is on the field, he's give, he's getting looked at. He's uh he's getting rush attempts, right? He's being involved. But to me, he's not quite on the field enough for me to start him comfortably, even though I know the work that he's getting when he is on the field is quite a bit. I want to say right now, I'm going to actually double check this to make sure. But I want to say right now he's pretty much getting like 68% of snaps. Yeah, last week it was 68, 54, 69, 57, 64. So we'll just ballpark this and say he's getting 60% of snaps. And I want that number to be at 80 before I feel real confident starting him. Because obviously that just means the more opportunity is presented for him, the more that he's on the field. Because he is being uh, such a featured, he is ha he does he's having such a featured role in just his sparing time Uh on the field and during the game itself. But I think we can move on to our next game now, and that is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals and the Indianapolis Colts. For this game, the, the Colts actually are favored by eight, which I don't make a whole lot of sense. That's buying a whole lot of stock in their defense uh, compared to Cincinnati's offense, and mm, I don't know how I feel about that. That's also giving a lot of credit, I think, to the Colts' offense as well, and that doesn't make any sort of sense if you've watched how they've played over the course of the past few weeks. The over-under for this game is 46.5. Uh, 
I'm trying to think if there's any injuries off the top of my head. I forgot to add that to the notes. I don't think there is. So again, always a good thing when there's no injuries. AJ Green had that hamstring injury. Actually, he's back and he's ready to go. There's no injuries designation for him. So we're good. We're fully healthy. Again, we'd love to see this in the time of COVID and other injuries and now bye weeks. So the more healthy a team is, the better. For your start sick questions here, Cincinnati, dude, I said it, I said it in the game recap. Joe Mixon is fucking matchup proof. There is no if, ands, or buts about it. When you are getting 25 carries a game and you are now being featured in the receiving game as well, how do you pull him from your lineup? Right? The opportunity is there. Even if like it came late last week, right? They just decided in the fourth quarter to give the ball to Mixon over and over again. They decided to then feature him in the past game again for the second straight week. And just how I don't look. I understand again the struggles with Mixon are there. The concerns are there just based upon this offensive line specifically, right? But again, Mixon's talented enough to do damage on twenty plus carries game and getting, you know, six plus targets. So I'm all in on Mixon now until the rest of time, essentially, right? So you're starting Mixon. Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins are okay plays. The Colts are in the upper third in fantasy points given up to the wide receivers. So they are pretty good at shutting them down in that aspect. Uh, but look, again, if you got you gotta do what you gotta do. So if you're if you do have bye weeks with DK Metcalf or uh, uh, let's see, who has bye weeks? <laughs> uh, Metcalf Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, right? The basics, the basic guys who you're starting every single week. Um, they're fine plays. I would lower my expectations a little bit, but again, if Vegas apparently expects the Colts to win by a touchdown, then Cincinnati is going to have to play from behind. And if that is the case, then those two guys should be seeing uh, heavy targets uh, in this game. For the Colts, you're starting Jonathan Taylor per usual. I beat my drum about this. Over and over, Jonathan Taylor getting limited work, uh, seeing about 50% of snaps, and he's still running back 13. It's so good. Um, and it's so good in the sense of if he is only doing this on 50% of snaps and limited opportunity, imagine what's going to happen when he is the featured running back in this, uh, in this, ga in this game on this team, right? Um, to me, it's only a matter of time, and just I'm really excited for the future of Jonathan Taylor, all things considered. And of course, the Cincinnati Bengals defense is not great. Um, for the pass catching options in Indianapolis, I'm going to say this. T.Y. Hilton, if you have to, uh, just because of, you're in bye week hell, let's say this week. Um, Hilton finally emerged. He had 10 targets. I believe caught six of them for 69 yards last week versus Cleveland. And again, this Cincinnati defense is very, very beatable in the past game. So if you got to play T.Y. Hilton, look, you got to do what you got to do. Um, I'm not fully excited about it, but I feel like Hilton's actually going to be a safe play for you this week. What do you do? I want to go back. I want to circle back to Cincinnati and A.J. Green. Uh, A.J. Green, if you need to drop him, I guess do it. Part of me does not want to. Um, I don't own any shares of AJ Green, so this is just me speaking as an outsider. I'm not going to drop AJ Green because I actually do think the possibility of him getting traded is very, very real. And then whatever happens after that uh, is what it is. And while I'm not excited to play AJ Green and I don't plan on playing him pretty much during the rest of the year until that opportunity of him getting traded... Uh, just being able to have him on the bench kind of as an eject button 
or just as a wait and see type thing, I guess I'm okay with it. Or even if you want to try and sell them off name value alone, I think that could be an interesting play for you as well. But that's all I got for this game. This is a game that I think is honestly pretty cut and dry. Uh, there's not a whole lot of fantasy viable options here. We should probably talk about Joe Burrow now that I think about it as I say all that. Uh, I still love playing Joe Burrow every single week. I just think it makes so much sense. Uh, just his ability and his willingness. Uh, like, how many times have we seen a rookie quarterback come in and throw the ball legitimately 40 times a game? It just, it just doesn't happen, right? And that, like, that is an opportunity where he is good enough to make something of it. Obviously, he did not look great versus Baltimore, but shit. I don't know if there's ever been a rookie quarterback that has looked great versus Baltimore. So I'm fine starting Joe Burrow this week. If he's your guy, go ahead. Um, again, this Colts defense is very good, but just there's always potential for Joe Burrow to throw for 350-3 and three, uh, on, on any given week, right? So I am, I'm fine with Joe Burrow. Uh, this week but that's gonna wrap up this game and let's move on to our next game shall we and that is going to be the uh, Chicago Bears versus the Carolina Panthers the Panthers are favored by one and a half a surprising team so far this season they are three and two and the Bears are four and one after a very impressive win uh, versus Tampa Bay there are no injuries to note for either team again we love to see it during this time and let's just dive right into the start sit questions for the week, shall we? For Chicago, you're going to play Allen Robinson and you're going to play David Montgomery. Allen Robinson currently leads the league in targets with 57. And David Montgomery, we know that this Carolina Panthers run defense is awful. Again, we say this every single week. You're starting your running backs against the Raiders and against the Panthers because good things happen when you do that. So we're going to roll those two guys out with confidence this week. And I hate that I have to say that because I am facing David Montgomery in both of my leagues this week, of course, right? I love the way that that actually shakes out. Um, I want to talk about Darnell Mooney real quick, though. Uh, so this is a rookie wide receiver, and I forget what college he went to. Let me pull this up. Darnell Mooney. Yes, Darnell Mooney wants Tulane. That's what, I should know that. Um, Darnell Mooney went to Tulane. I believe I had him ranked as my number 34 wide receiver, or 34 rookie in this draft class. Um, he is currently the number two option in Chicago. Anthony Miller is dead. Like we, you can't, you can't roster Anthony Miller. And granted, I don't know what the value of the number two wide receiver in Chicago actually is at this point. But what I will see is Darnell Mooney has to be rostered in Dynasty. You should look at your waivers because he was not a guy who was highly touted uh, coming out of school or anything like that. I think he was a fifth round draft pick or so. So um, just to see his progression and snaps and to see his snaps go like this and Anthony Miller's snaps to go like this, uh, it's very, very clear how much Darnell Mooney is going to be a future point uh, in this offense. Uh, I just want to pull it up because I picked him up this week. I dropped Anthony Miller for him, actually. Uh, you look at his snap percentage in week one, it was 34. We are now all the way down. We are Now that we are in week five, it was 66. Last week, it was 73 where he had nine targets. Uh, the targets are there, uh, basically getting five targets every single game. Obviously, it's not great by any means, uh, but this is more so just a future play more than anything, specifically in Dynasty. I wanted to get that note out there. Go get Darnell Mooney just as a wait and see piece to see how things progress throughout the season. 
Moving over to the Panthers, the usual here. You're starting them, firing them up, right? Mike Davis, automatic start. Uh, Robbie Anderson, automatic start. Uh, DJ Moore finally emerged again uh, this season, last week versus Atlanta, like I told you he was going to. So I'm super excited about that. I'm super sad that DJ Moore was traded in my dynasty league and I wasn't able to get to get him. Uh, simply put, let, we, let's talk about this, right? I love talking about uh, my leagues and I know you guys have I know you guys have commented about that as well. Uh, just saying how you guys like how I talk about my leagues and try and make it relatable uh, to you guys and just give a lot of context so you guys understand what I'm dealing with in my leagues and maybe you guys go through something similar in yours. So let's talk about this. Uh, I have been trying to acquire DJ Moore in Dynasty pretty much since June, I want to say. Um, I am a Carolina Panthers fan, so there is some bias when it comes to that specifically. Uh, but just the talent of DJ Moore last year with Kyle Allen balled out, like I said. He finished last season as, I believe, wide receiver 13, uh, which is super talent, like super great, right? It was, it was his second year in the league. And he did that pretty much on the back of yardage and receptions and without touchdowns, right? And with Teddy Bridgewater coming in, I fully expected him to take that next step up. Now, unfortunately, Robbie Anderson has come in and, really, and has really cemented himself as that feature point in the offense. And, uh, and uh, DJ Moore has had to take a bit of a step back in that respect. But you still look at the targets for DJ Moore, and they've still been there. Uh, finally gets in the end zone last week. The yardage just hasn't fully... Uh, it hasn't fully been where we where we've wanted it to be. I want to pull this up actually right now. Um, so I've been trying to get DJ Moore all off season long and all season long. Uh, the way that my team is currently structured, I feel like I am a wide receiver away. Uh, and I, I have great ones. I just need that one depth piece, right? Just give me that mid tier wide receiver, and I feel like I'm gonna be in a really really good spot. So I've been trying to get DJ Moore. Uh, the owner is currently tanking, and I was like, shit, I feel like there's a window here. So uh, we've gone back and forth, you know, trade offer, trade offer, I'll consider, I don't like that deal, let's try and discuss something else, right? And so today I get a text that says, what do you want for Chris Carson? And I've known that the DJ Moore owner really, really likes Chris Carson. And I think about it because I've been trying to shop Carson a little bit. I understand he's a number four running back, but if I can find a way to get something back in return, I feel like I can make it work because of the depth that I have at that position with uh, Joe Mixon and Kenyon Drake and Antonio Gibson, Miles Gaskin, Zach Moss. Uh, I, I, just, I just have running backs. Again, I'm a running back whore in my league. So I shoot back a text and I'm like, yo, um, for DJ Moore, I'll go... Uh, I'll go Carson for DJ Moore and David Johnson because my whole thing, I've talked about this over and over again, running backs win you championships. It's why I'm a running back whore. Uh, it's, it's just my firm philosophy, so I'm not going to give up the number four running back uh, for just a wide receiver. I need to get back a running back in return. Uh, so I send that text, and he shoots me back another text that says, that says, is that offer serious? Like, how how serious are you about this? Because I have other offers on the table. He's like, I got. He, he's like, I got. I have an offer for picks and players. Again, this is dynasty. And I'm like, I, all I said back was I'm considering. And he knew that I was shopping Carson, and I've had talks for uh, for Le'Veon Bell and Hollywood Brown uh, before Bell signed with the Chiefs. More on that in just a little bit. 
Uh, so he knew that I was shopping Carson, but apparently I said the wrong word because as soon as I said I was considering instead of yes, I would do this deal, he went through with another with another trade and traded DJ Moore for Ronald Jones. So basically, long story short, I missed out on DJ Moore this week in Dynasty, and I am not happy about it. More on my Dynasty Blues in just a little bit. Uh, but just going back to this game, I do expect DJ Moore to have a fine performance uh, in this matchup. Teddy Bridgewater should be able to play uh, fine. This Bears defense is good, but they are beatable in some aspects. And I think that DJ Moore, especially if they shut down Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore should be able to have a really nice matchup uh, in this game versus Chicago. Is there anything else here? No, pretty pretty simple, pretty cut and dry. I did want to just give that little story about how things are going in my Dynasty League. But speaking of my Dynasty League, we got a lot to talk about with this matchup, actually. Ironically enough, the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins. And oh boy, oh boy. The Dolphins are favored by 9.5 points. The Miami Dolphins are favored by almost 10. What world are we living in? The over-under for this game is 47 points. Sam Darnold is, is out again with that shoulder injury for the Jets and the Jets. I didn't get to talk about this, so let's do it now. The Jets released Le'Veon Bell out of nowhere. They tried to trade him, and they just said, nope, we're not doing this anymore. And so they cut him. All right. All right. So you cut Le'Veon. That, that sucks. And the Again, the reason why that sucked is because I was in deep trade talks to acquire Le'Veon Bell and Hollywood for Chris Carson. Fun times. Fun times for all. All right, so there goes that. Not only that. Guys, I, I think I want to say I've talked about this on the channel. I'm almost positive, but I really want to reiterate this. LeMichael Pirine was one of my favorite running backs in this draft. He's a rookie out of Florida, and when you watch his tape, you just look at it and you're like, this guy is an NFL running back. It is very, very obvious he was a fourth-round draft pick, and we've seen that fourth-round, third-round, and fifth-round running backs all pretty much pan out in the NFL for some reason, right? So I had LaMichael P. Ryan ranked as my number 22 rookie coming into this season on my Dynasty Big Board. Um, he was a guy who I was heavily targeting in my dynasty draft uh, with my third and fourth round pick before I traded up into the first round and I lost those draft picks in the process. <sighs> right, so Bell, so Bell gets cut. And it's funny because all week I considered sending an offer to the P. Ryan owner in our dynasty league. And then Bell gets cut, and I'm like, shit. I, ju I just want to send out a feeler right now. Maybe he doesn't realize it, what what, what Michael P. Ryan's value is going to be. And so I offer the owner a fifth-round draft pick for the Michael P. Ryan. And I don't hear back. And the next day, waivers run. And the Michael P. Ryan is dropped for free. So, so you're probably thinking, right? You're probably thinking... Well, that's good then, because then you can just get P. Ryan with all the fab that you have, right? Wrong. Wrong. Because I have no fab. And the reason why I have no fab, and I've talked about this before, is because a monster post-draft deal went down in this league, and T. Higgins, T. fucking Higgins, was available on the waiver wire, and I spent all of my fab to go get T. Higgins. I had T. Higgins ranked number 10 on my Dynasty big board. So to me, that was a no-brainer decision. So not only 
did I miss out on getting P Ryan through a trade, right? Now, if I need to get P Ryan, I need to pay triple the value to acquire Fab in order to get him. And not only that, I know there are other players in my league who understand the value of LaMichael Pirine now at this point. And the reason why I love Pirine to begin with is number one, the talent, but then also number two, I knew that this regime uh, and Adam Gase hated Le'Veon Bell. And there was an opportunity that Le'Veon Bell was going to be shipped out of town at some point, and this would be LaMichael Pirine's backfield. And we're here, so I had the opportunity to get P. Ryan with an, with an initial deal. P. Ryan's then dropped. If I want him, I have to then try and acquire Fab. And then I have to be able to outbid anybody else who wants him. And then now at this point, I literally have to, play, I literally have to pay three times the amount if I even want to sniff him. And this just fucking sucks because he was a guy who I coveted uh, coming into this season. So all that being said... Please check your waiver wires to see if Michael P. Ryan is available. If he is, pick him up and see what he does. Because honestly, uh, the story has another layer as well. Because I was so mad uh, that I lost out on P. Ryan. I basically went off in our Dynasty group message explaining the situation and what happened. And now the person who has P. Ryan, I'm facing. And he's starting him against me this week out of spite. Uh, and P. Ryan is going to rush for 120 and two touchdowns. And it's going to be a fun week. For the Mike Man over here. Uh, another question that I have for this game, though, besides all of this things, uh, b besides this whole situation about the Jets running backs, is will Jordan Howard be another healthy scratch? Because if he is, Miles Gaskin, let's go, right? Gaskin gets the goal line work last week, and then finally, finally, he gets it in the end zone. Uh, makes me super happy as the Gaskin stand uh, in fantasy football, in the fantasy football space, right? But we can just move over to the start set now at this point. I've wasted enough of your time with this game. <laughs> For the Jets, you're going to start Jamison Crowder. As much as I love P. Ryan, I want to see what his workload is actually going to be before I just throw him into my lineup. There is a lot of talk about, about, him, getting an, get, about him getting an increased workload, but I want to see what the actual numbers are going to shake out to be. But for the love of God, you're starting Jamison Crowder every single week. I had a discussion on Twitter uh, saying, would you start... Jamison Crowder or Terry McLaurin and for me the answer is Jamison Crowder and the reason why is because you are guaranteed eight receptions for 85 yards and whatever else comes after that whereas again I don't know what the consistent value of Terry McLaurin is going to be on a week in week out basis so I'd much rather start Jamison Crowder uh, than Terry McLaurin this week for the Dolphins if Jordan Howard I mean even just regardless of Jordan Howard is active or not Miles Gaskin season you're putting him in your lineup and then also, honestly, fuck, start your Dolphins. Start all of them. You can start Preston Williams if you have to. Devontae Parker's up. Mike Kosicki's up. Ryan Fitzpatrick is up. You're starting them versus the Jets. Jets are one of the worst football teams that I have ever laid my eyes on. That makes me very sad to say as a closet Jets fan. Uh, but you can start all the Dolphins. Again, they're favored by nearly 10 points. This game is going to be high scoring in favor of the Dolphins. Like, I mean, like high scoring as in like the Dolphins might put up 35 and the Jets might put up zero. Right, this is going to be a great game for the Miami Dolphins. Um, I think that's all I got for that game, right? We got four more of these to do. Let's keep rolling. Up next, the Green Bay Packers versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, the Packers are favored by one point. The over-under for this game is 55.5, and, and everybody is healthy. From Devontae Adams to Chris Godwin to Mike Evans, everybody's healthy. 
uh, Leonard Fournette too as well. So this is great. Again, these are two teams with a lot of fantasy relevant players, and to have a, and to have everybody healthy right now is an absolute blessing because this should be a high scoring game. Um, I'm really excited for it. I think it's the highest. It's the second highest over under on the week uh only behind kansas city and buffalo so with that being said the start sit for this game dude it's easy it's easy are you ready are you ready start everybody you're starting aaron Rodgers. you're starting aaron jones you're starting Devonte adams you're starting robert tanyan you're starting tom brady you're starting ronald jones uh you're starting chris godwin you're starting mike evans if you want to take a deep shot on Rob Gronkowski and or Cameron Bray, by all means, go ahead and do so. I don't really care. Actually, I do care. That, that, that's, that's admittedly probably, probably bad advice. Um, I would be, I would start them if I had to, I should say. But the core, but the core players on each team are up, they're active, they're in your lineup. I don't have, like, there's nothing to add here, right? Like this, again, I love games like these because the advice is so simple like as as long-winded as that jets and dolphins game preview was of where i had to tell that story about what happened with me and michael p ryan the advice was you're starting jameson crowder you're starting all your dolphins and we're good to go and this is the inverse of that uh we're literally just everybody fire them up right uh there's no reason not to have them in your lineup they should be up and active and just ready to go because this game should be one of the best, if not the best game of the week. All right, let's roll. We can keep it moving. And we're going to keep it rolling with the Rams and the 49ers. Los Angeles is favored by three and a half points. The over-under on this game is 51 and a half. And there are no injuries to note yet again. Cam Akers back off of that rib injury. Jimmy G expected to play due to that ankle injury, uh, the high ankle sprain, and we saw Raheem Mostert come back as well last week. So we got no injuries to note for either team. So let's just move over to the start sit because I really don't think that there's any uh, that there's any real game notes or storylines to talk about here either. So for the Rams, deep press everybody. Daryl Henderson, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, automatic starts. Daryl Henderson is the running back to own for this backfield. I'm officially on board with that, but you have to also concede the fact that Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers are both going to get work and they're both going to be involved, but the workload for those two guys in comparison to Daryl Henderson is what, half, a third, if that, like combined. So it's like the way that I see this, Daryl Henderson is 50%. Cam Akers is 25, Malcolm Brown's 25. Um, so Henderson is the guy to own just based off of opportunity. And he's also been able to get it done over the course of the past two weeks. And just he's looked pretty damn good while doing it, all things considered. Uh, the question that I have for the Rams is what to do with Tyler Higbee after that big game versus Philadelphia where he did put up three touchdowns. He has disappeared significantly. Again, though, like this, this goes back to the tight end, to the tight end landscape right now is... Who are you picking up in place of him, especially with the opportunity and the potential of this Rams offense, right? This is a team that can easily put up 30 points on any given game. And this actually kind of feels like a good Jared Goff game, in my opinion. So with Higby, I think you have to stay the course, right? Um, 
if you want, if you want to pivot off Higby and you want to go towards an Austin Hooper or TJ Hawkinson, I don't blame you, but I do feel like all of their situations are relatively the same. Uh, they're not guys who you're super excited to start every single week, but they are two guys, but they are a few guys who sh you should be satisfied starting with, uh, all things considered, right? They're going to put up a firm floor for you. I know, uh, last week was a Gerald Everett game, uh, but still, for the most part, this is going to be the Tyler Higby, uh, the Tyler Higby show at the tight end position for the Rams because like that's the thing right when you have two tight ends there are going to be games where the other tight end just naturally has a better game than the tight end that you're starting right um for the 49ers Raheem Mostert is up you're playing him Devo Samuel you're playing him and you're going to play George Kittle obviously the big note that I want to point out there's actually two of them and that is Jerick McKinnon took an absolute nosedive once Raheem Mostert came back and yes that game last week uh, versus the Dolphins was ugly, but even still, if Jerick McKinnon was supposed to be the pass-catching running back and he couldn't even get on the field in a blowout, then how can you start him confidently this week versus the Rams? So no thank you there. And then Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel, in his second game back off, of, off that Jones fracture, went from 30% of snaps to 84. And that tells me Debo Samuel is back and ready to go. Please, for the love of God, if you are in redraft leagues, please check your waiver wire to see if he is available. Because if he is, you will have a top 24 wide receiver for the rest of the season. Uh, and he was a guy that probably slipped through the cracks in your draft because he was placed on IR so early in the season and he was coming off of that broken foot injury. So I'm really excited about Debo Samuel's outlook going forward because it seems like they are already ramping him back up to game speed and, uh, and normal game activity in just two weeks off of that injury. Uh, is there anything else to know here? I don't think so. I honestly think that's it for this game preview. And let's go on to the Monday night games. And that is going to be starting off. We get two of them this week. Let's go to Kansas City and Buffalo, shall we? The Chiefs are favored by four and a half points. The over-under for this game is 57 and a half. Both teams are coming off of their first loss. The Chiefs falling to the Raiders and the Bills falling to the Titans. And Sammy Watkins is out with that hamstring injury. And also, and also because we talked about it with the Jets, we have to talk about it with the Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs signed Le'Veon Bell. And let's, let's, let's talk, right? Let's try and dissect this just a little bit. Before we do that, let me, I got to say, I've been talking for an hour and 15 minutes, right? I deserve a drink. All right. I was trying to figure out where I wanted Le'Veon Bell to go. And I, my answer, honestly, was New England. I would have loved to see Cam Newton and Le'Veon Bell with the Patriots. That would have been fucking electric. And then, if not New England, I really wanted Chicago. Losing Tariq Cohen and Montgomery really hasn't done a whole lot. I really wanted Bell to go to Chicago, too. Because um, really just looking at the at the running back landscape, what teams really needed a running back? And I felt like those were the two obvious destinations uh, for him. And then you hear the Chiefs. And my first thought is, oh, God, no. And oh, God, no, in the sense of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Most importantly, most importantly, let's just get that out of the way, right? But also, oh, no, because Le'Veon Bell's true value came with the Jets in the sense that he was going to get 260 carries and also was going to be heavily involved in the receiving game. He is the guy, right? He was just a volume guy. And that, for Le'Veon Bell and a guy of his talents, is incredible. 
So the Chiefs sign Le'Veon Bell. And now we're immediately thrown into this place where we have to try and analyze and break down what the value is of Le'Veon Bell going forward. And not only of Le'Veon Bell, but also Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And that brings me to my first point, which is in Dynasty Leagues, you need to try and get Clyde Edwards-Alaire as fast as you fucking can. The, well, well, the panic right now on Clyde is so high. And unfortunately for me, the, the person who owns Clyde in my Dynasty League... Uh, they are a competent fantasy football player, and they are not tilting in the slightest. I actually I shot him a text, and I've been trying to get Clyde for a few weeks now. And I'm like, yo, what does the val- what does Lev do to the value of Clyde in your opinion? And he says, I'm not selling for a discount if that's what you're asking. So I'm not getting Clyde. It makes me very very sad because I thought there was a I thought there was a window to buy low, and I've been saying this for the past few weeks. I think there is I think there has been a, a, a significant window for you to buy low on Clyde, and this makes it even more wide of a window to get through. Um, so with Clyde, the big thing here is that the breakout this year is not happening. It's simply not. Um, very unfortunate. I still think Clyde is going to finish the season as a running back too. And he's going to be a guy probably ranked, if you were to look at rankings, and again, I don't do rankings just for personal reasons. Um, if you were to look at rankings, I would anticipate him to be probably like around 20 to 24 on a week-in, week-out basis. Um, he's still going to be the lead back, but if he's losing the goal line carries to Le'Veon and some of the pass-catching work as well, uh, I just don't know what the real upside of Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be for the rest of the season. Now, that being said, on the inverse, with Le'Veon, if Le'Veon is getting the pass work and he's also getting the goal line work, and in an offense like Kansas City, right, Le'Veon Bell should be pretty damn valuable for fantasy. Uh, but to me, it really just comes down to what's the level of volume that he's going to get. And to that I'm not sure. Like, I, I can confidently say I know what Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be the rest of the season. Um, but what I can't confidently say is I don't is, is I know what Le'Veon Bell is going to be. So I want to take a few weeks to wait and see what's going to happen. Uh, I, Le'Veon Bell can't play probably until next week. He has to go through a few COVID protocols in order to get cleared uh, for the Chiefs. So it's not going to be this week, but likely next week that he's going to suit up. And even then, it might be actually the week following because they'll start to get practice time in with the team as well. So that that that's my take uh, on the situation for Le'Veon. I'm waiting and seeing. And then for Clyde, unfortunately, a, a hit has been taken. I don't like a hit has been taken. I was going to say it's not it's not significant, but the fact of the matter is that it is. Right? I was a guy. I came into the season and I was saying that Clyde was a lair is going to be a top five fantasy running back. And this just takes his ceiling and drops it. Just smashes it into pieces. Uh, so it really is a big blow uh, to people who spent that first round draft pick on Clyde. Like I know so many people did once Damian Williams opted out of the season. Um, dude, it, it does. It fucking sucks. It really, really does. Because the opportunity for him as a rookie was so large and so unprecedented in an offense like the Chiefs, right? Um, again, he had one great game and everything else had been so mid, and he's still running back 12. Um, so I, I, I am. I'm, I'm really bummed out. But let's get back to this game, though. Is this, is this going to shock you what I'm, about, what I'm about to say? Start, everybody. Please, just do it. Just do it. 
Mahomes, Clyde, because there is no life, so Mahomes, Clyde, Tyreek, Kelsey, Miko Hardman, I think he's a great start this week, especially if you're facing that league juggernaut and you need and you need a swing for the fences play. All in on that, especially with Sammy Watkins being out. For the Bills, Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss is expected to be back for this game. Coming off that toe injury, I think he's going to suit up. He's been through uh, limited, limited practices, and I think he, had a, he was a full participant in today's walkthrough. So I'm actually fine playing both guys. I think there is potential for both guys to actually find their way into the end zone. Uh, and then obviously Stephon Diggs, John, uh, is John Brown actually going to play? Let me look that up just to be sure. Uh, but Diggs obviously is going to be your lineup. Stephon Diggs had 16 targets last week. Um, that is basically insanity. That's Malcolm Brown. I need John Brown. Yep, John Brown had a full practice this week. Another one. He's good to go for this matchup as well. So you're, you're, like you need to start both these both everybody everybody in this game, right? They need to be started. Uh, with this game being the highest over under, we know how great both of these offenses have been throughout the start of this season and yo let's just keep the train rolling uh, I'm really excited for this game I got a buddy of mine coming down from Buffalo to hang out with me and, and catch it so I'm, I'm fully I'm, I'm expecting fantasy fireworks uh, all things considered here and let's round this mega this mega stream this mega video out with our final game preview and that is going to be the Arizona Cardinals taking on the Dallas Cowboys in their first game without Dak Prescott. The Cardinals are favored by one and a half points, and the over/under on this game is 55. Again, Dallas's first game without Dak. There are no injuries to note outside of that. So, start set. I got no storylines here besides Andy Dalton and what Andy Dalton is going to be rest of season. We're going to talk about that in just a second. So, for Arizona, super simple. Kyler is up. Hopkins is up. Christian Kirk? Question mark? Hang on. Hang on. I, I got I want to do some digging real quick. Uh yeah. I think Christian Kirk is an interesting play here, in all honesty. Uh we we've talked about this over and over again. Just how bad this Dallas Cowboys defense is. And with that being said, I understand that the target share for DeAndre Hopkins is massive, but if everybody and anybody is scoring against Dallas, how do you not play Christian Kirk or even consider playing him, I guess, as a flex option uh, this week, especially with the bye weeks that are taking place? Like, you can do worse than Christian Kirk here. But the big story that I really, really want to talk about for the Cardinals is Kenyon Drake or Chase Edmonds. And let, 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 we need to set the record fucking straight here, people. Kenyon Drake is still getting 65 to 70% of the snaps. He is also getting 18 rushing attempts a game. And again, there is no receiving work, and that's the big thing here. But with that being said, Chase Edmonds is only getting 35% of snaps. He's getting no, no rushing work or hardly any. It's been basically three carries every single game. And his... Uh, his worth has come in the past game. So they're basically just inverses of each other. It's your typical two-down running back, and then the third guy comes in. Um, I'm not ready to jump ship off Kenyon Drake. I, I just won't do it. And again, the reason why is because volume is king for fantasy. 
Um, he was able to get into the end zone last week versus the Jets. Uh, it really was the thing that saved his game as a fourth quarter touchdown. Uh, and if that game goes differently, maybe we're having a different conversation. We probably are. Uh, but again, 18 carries last week. And I don't know how you go away from that. It's just, it's, it really, it's, look, if you want to move off Kenyon Drake, sure. I, I, I don't get it, but I'll, I'll, I'll let it slide. But to move this hype towards Chase Edmonds still doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. The only thing that makes him intriguing is the fact, uh, uh can I, where is this season? There we go. Am I spelling his name wrong? M O U Chase. There we go. Like, the only thing that makes Edmonds intriguing is the fact that he's getting receiving work. He's basically. I think, who was this? Was this Mike Wright of the footballers that brought this up? They said that you need to start looking at Chase Edmonds as James White. And honestly, like, that's, I guess I'm fine with that. But I was also a guy that was never actively on James White to begin with. So maybe that's the reason why I'm just not a big fan of Chase Edmonds. It's just, it's just because I would rather have the guy getting the rushing attempts than the receiving work. I understand PPR makes that conversation a little bit different. But even so, like, just getting, like, 35% of snaps isn't intriguing to me. And if you're if your only upside is in the past game, like fine. Like whatever. I, I just I just I would rather take the volume than the receiving work. And maybe I'm wrong for that, but that's just my personal fantasy football philosophy. Simply because, like, think of it this way, right? Would is the opportunity to score a touchdown higher with the guy who's getting 18 touches a game or the guy who is getting seven? Look, you answer that question, not me. So that's where I stand on this issue. And it makes me so mad that these two guys, as currently stands, are both wide or are both running back threes. Kenyon Drake is running back 30, and Chase Edmonds is running back 31. Makes me so mad, so frustrating uh, as a Kenyon Drake owner. But again, this might be your window to buy Kenyon Drake for the low low if you're needy for running back because I just continue to think that better days are ahead for him. Uh, but let's talk about Dallas now for a little bit. I've spent enough time talking about Arizona. I'm still start everybody until proven otherwise. I understand that Andy Dalton is not Dak Prescott, but I've seen Andy Dalton be a top 10 fantasy quarterback. I've seen Andy Dalton make AJ Green consistently fantasy relevant. Uh, I've seen Marvin Jones be relevant with, with Andy Dalton. Like I'm, 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 I'm here. I'm here. Let's roll. Let's keep this train rolling. So, number one, uh, Andy Dalton needs to be rostered in every single league. He needs to be uh, highly considered. I know I don't like rostering two fantasy quarterbacks uh, in single quarterback leads, but hey, if you lost Dak, go get Andy Dalton because, let's be honest, this defense hasn't changed. This defense is still bad. The weapons are still there. Andy Dalton is fine. Andy Dalton has a willingness to throw downfield and make plays. Like, there is nothing inherently wrong with Andy Dalton here so start everybody you're starting Andy Dalton you're starting Zeke you're starting Amari Cooper you're starting Michael Gallup you're starting Dalton Schultz and you're starting CeeDee Lamb 
Like, why? Why would you not? Please, give me the reason. I'll, uh, let's put the feet up real quick and let, like, let's just talk. Why would you not start them? Nothing. The only thing that has changed is the quarterback. And while I love Dak, and Dak needs to get paid, like, let's make this very loud and clear. Dak, Dakota Prescott, needs to get paid a hefty bag by Jerry Jones. But I know what Andy Dalton can do. I know Andy Dalton can throw for 302. I'm it, like a basic Andy Dalton stat line, right? Is what? 252 and 1 and fine with it. Fine with it. I'm I'm just I'm not ready to and like that right that's and that's Andy Dalton on a Bengals team that never had these kind of weapons. Not even close to it. So I'm here I'm here for it. Uh, if if this game goes to shit and you started Dallas Cowboys because of me and it backfires in your face, yo, listen, that's on me. But I have no reason to sit anybody in this game. And that's a hill I'm going to die on until I see it happen otherwise. But I think that's going to do it for let's 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 close these out here. But I think that's going to do it for my week six game previews. If you if you enjoyed this video, be sure to leave a like and subscribe down below. Try to do this every single week, covering every single game. The format kind of always changes, but it's always very, very similar. And by format, I just mean content structure. Sometimes it's a giant long video like this. Sometimes it's little individual games. It's basically going to be both going forward now into the future. Uh, so if you want to subscribe, we are so, so close to 100 subscribers. And I would love to hit that by the end of week six. So please consider doing that. Also share this with one one person who loves fantasy football who you do not play in a league with because look i understand you got to keep me a secret from your league but we all know one person who who we are not in leagues with who we love to talk fantasy with and i would love you to share me with them also you can follow me on all social media platforms at ffvulture i need to go get a drink because my voice is on fire again thank you so much for watching and remember people come and go but fantasy championships are forever and i will see you in the next video